G'day and welcome back to Talking Leadership TV. Our guest today is Anthony Garcia. Anthony is an international best-selling author and an expert in sales training, recruiting, and motivating business leaders to peak performance. He brings two decades of sales and sales leadership experience. Anthony has achieved top accolades in direct business-to-business and medical sales, and his international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions was recognized by the Selling Power magazine as one of the best sales books to read. His thoughts and opinions have been featured in Forbes, Selling Power, Success Magazine, and the New York Weekly. Anthony also hosts Catapulting Commission Sales Talk podcast, discussing the complacency that robs some people of their full potential and interviewing some of the world's top sales performers and entrepreneurs. He's a highly sought-after sales trainer, passionate about unlocking the dormant high performer in every business professional. This was an amazing discussion. I hope you'll enjoy it. But enough from me. I'll hand over to Anthony. Anthony, thank you for your time today. and Thank you for talking to me about leadership in the context of leading teams. And before we get into some of the very specific questions here. I want to ask you, what is the importance of uh, successful leadership of teams? That that would be part one of this question. And then part two, what's the good and the bad and the ugly around how that works or doesn't work from, from your travels and your experience, mate? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate you, the opportunity to spend time with your audience. And uh, speaking on leadership, is something that's near and dear to my heart. I've uh, spent nearly 20 years building sales teams or organizations or companies, and I've seen leadership from a micro level to a macro level to an international level. So the the importance of leadership and, and really how you view this, and I'll use a sports analogy, right? I'm from the United States. We have football. Uh, you're from a place where rugby is 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 king, right? The manager, the coach, the person that is orchestrating all the moving parts on the field. So when you become a leader, you now become this person that orchestrates all the moving parts. And being a leader is really similar to being a parent. It's selfless, right? When everything is going great, when the the numbers are doing well, productivity is high, profits are high, all success goes to the team. When anything goes bad, anything goes bad, all challenges, all failures, all mistakes, all oopsies, all coincidences, whatever can be deemed as a negative goes back to you as a leader. And right now, globally, we're seeing employment satisfaction kind of hit like a stagnant point where not as many people are feeling fulfilled by their positions. And that's a direct reflection on the leader. Uh, you know, there's there's a study uh, that was done many, many years ago. I would say it's almost 15 years ago now uh, that was done out of, I'm going to butcher it, study done out of the UK. I'm butchering the school name. However, nonetheless, it talked about the power of automation and the future jobs that were going to be automated. And what was really unique about this study is many jobs are susceptible to being automated. The one job that's not is leadership because you still have to have that ability to influence. So nonetheless, leadership is incredibly important. It's a responsibility to not be taken lightly. And when you are given that power, it's an opportunity to change someone's life, You know, give them a positive experience, help them hit milestones they never thought before. And the second part of that question, right? what's the good, the bad, the ugly about being in leadership? For someone to find value and truly enjoy leadership, you have to really love 
seeing the people around you succeed at a higher level than you ever could have been. In, in building corporate sales teams, uh, I, I was a very good corporate sales rep. I, I hit many accolades, did a bunch of things, but the sales reps that I managed and the employees that I developed have gone on to significantly surpass my individual accomplishments. And I found more joy in seeing their accomplishments than I did making my own accomplishments. And the, the challenging part about that, right? And someone will call it the bad, but the challenging part, if you are a salesperson and you're a high performer, chances are you make more money than your sales manager. And so when you move into that management role, it's not about the money, it's about the development of the people. So you really have to love those people. Uh, the, the bad component or the challenging component with leadership is things are no longer in your hand. You absolutely have to trust the people around you to do what they say they're going to do. So if productivity is down, uh, if revenue is down, if employment engagement is down, whatever you're leading is down, you have to trust the people around you to build it up. So for, for a type A personality that likes to have their hands on and everything in this, this horrible trend of micromanagement, that, that's a tough part to be in if because you no longer have control. And I got to be honest with you, that took years to be comfortable with, without losing my hair, without losing sleepless nights, without feeling like I had to be doing something. It's just having to trust people. Yeah, amazing introduction. And I have to agree. I think the the idea of cutting the umbilical cord and letting go and trusting your people is a significant issue. And if you're going to progress in my estimation to be an effective leader, you have to be able to do that and rely on the human beings that you're leading. And that, that, I think that takes some time in the world of work and, you, you know, everyone's motivation to become a leader are all very different. And I think what you've just described is what I hear very often is um, good, good, effective leaders want other people to succeed and want to be the catalyst for that success. And that drives, I think, people's attitudes to leadership very differently is um, on the flip side, if you see leadership as the power play, as the position title, you're going to have a very different motivation for being a leader. And uh, to capture that, and and I'm trying to be realistic here, there are very different reasons why people take on leadership roles. Sometimes it's the money. Sometimes it's the prestige. Sometimes I think there's a, a little bit of hubris there that, you know, I spent 20 years in a job. I deserve to go up the ladder and I deserve the power that I get from being there. Most people may not say that out loud, but those those leaders exist. They may not be, uh, I'll try and be diplomatic here, the, the most effective leaders, but those people uh, exist. I just wanted to ask you a question just as a, a get a little granular if we could about employee engagement and satisfaction in jobs as a result of the pandemic and people reevaluating why they're in the world of work i think more and more teams and the members of those teams are picking apart elements of their work and the bits that they don't like are now being thrown back in the face of those that are leading them and Unfortunately, you can't engineer out some of the more mundane elements of work. So in a in a post-COVID setting, what do you think are some of those um, communication skill sets or, or skill sets in general that leaders need to, to help engage with teams that are starting to look like they're disengaging? Yeah, well, I think the first thing, when 
when you see teams starting to disengage, you have to acknowledge it. They acknowledge that things are going to happen. Um, many times you'll see leaders that want to put their heads in the sand, right? It's this mantra sometimes. And in the States, we'll say people, oh, they're drinking the corporate Kool-Aid. Uh, you, you just see things through a corporate lens. And it's, it's a challenge because when you're in a position of leadership, uh, you have to remember who your customers are. And if you truly care about your people, your customers are your people. Now, I'm going to say something that has that has irked some leaders in the past, and and I've I've spoken to some executives and and high level people at Fortune 500 companies. The higher a leader goes in the corporate public sector, they have to answer to, to the investors. Well, the moment you start answering to investors and you make decisions based off investors and no longer people, you start to lose a little bit of trust. So that 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 has to go without being said. Like I, I have to mention that. But to to get direct to your question. Uh, how do you engage a workforce that's starting to lose engagement that's starting to to have some challenges? Well, first thing you want to acknowledge it and and you acknowledge it by just getting the clear open line of communication, right? One of the favorite questions that I would ask everybody who's ever worked with me over the past twenty years, anybody who's ever been on my team, and I've been doing this literally for twenty years, I always start every business review, every business meeting. If it's a one on one opportunity, I say, "Hey, talk to me about your job satisfaction." And people look at me like this awkward, you know, it's it's not a trick question. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to pin you in a corner, right? And some people look at you like, hey, you have the position to fire me, you have the position to hire me. And I'm like, no, I have the position and the opportunity to develop you. But I can only develop you if I know what's necessarily going on. And so when you ask someone to tell you about their job satisfaction and you tell them you're in this safe zone, you allow people to vent to you. And so I'll allow somebody to vent to me. If I catch somebody going on this negative spin where it's just negative, 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 right? I, 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 I pause them politely. I say, hey, you know, Eric, I, I really appreciate, you know, your, your honest approach here. But if we're just going to go talk all about the negatives, right? I, I hope you have some positives for me or, or let me know, you know, if you're looking to just vent or if you're looking to have some solutions. Because the moment you tell somebody you're actually listening to them and saying, hey, are you just trying to vent? Are you trying to provide solutions? You encourage this dialogue of back and forth communication. So once you have that person's trust, that they can tell you anything and everything, and you care about their overall job satisfaction, to get engagement back on some of those mundane tasks, you just have to acknowledge it. It could be something as simple as, you know, expense reports it could be something as simple as you know email or daily reports or whatever the whatever the metric is you simply say hey look i know it's not the most exciting part of the job i get it you get it however it goes without being said it's part of the responsibility that we have to get done now can we change it probably not so let's either a figure a way to get it done and move forward and grow together or b if this is going to be the 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 arrow that you're going to shoot that you're going to that you're going to plant your flag on and say I hate this job because of this I got to be honest with you I don't know if this is the right place for you and to have that conversation with somebody to say hey I have acknowledged you I've heard you there's some things that aren't really fun here let's move forward let's if you have better solutions I'm open to listening doesn't mean I'll implement but once you've had that conversation then you respected the I've respected my employees and their their opinion hey, well, this is how we're going and this is how we're going to move forward and I need you to get on board or I don't need you on the team. And having that difficult conversation as a leader, I promise you, if that conversation is executed correctly with trust, respect, 
and gratitude towards the employee, if you have to get to the end of the conversation and say, then this might not be the place for you, chances are you've already lost that employee. Out of all the years of doing that, I've only had to have that conversation one time. And what do you know? That employee was a bad fit and they were gone. So it really is about just acknowledging it because I look at my growth as an employee when I worked in corporate. I just wanted someone to hear me. Whatever the frustrations, the challenges were, as long as you heard me and I felt that my my thoughts and views and opinion was respected, I was okay. I knew there's things that weren't going to change. I just wanted to feel like I was part of the team. And that's one of those things that leaders can do is, is to create this collaborative uh, environment. And the data shows the workforce that's coming up, that's millennials and the next generation, they want to feel part of a team. That's like one of the number one retention tools. So even if you can't make the change, you can make them feel as a part of the team and you'll start to see engagement creep back up. Yeah, I've, I've, I've read and seen some of that um, that data that you're talking about, particularly with the new workforce that's coming through on a, on an international level that um, being made to feel part of the bigger uh, entity, the, the business, whatever it is, whether you're in the, in the for-profit or not-for-profit space, people want to have some sense that their contribution is valued or that they're being listened to if it's that simple. And I think there's some truth to it, um, but there has to be a cutoff point like you're talking about that if you're going to facilitate a difficult conversation, if he or she in, in the team is not a good fit, then the process of um, engineering them out of a position with due respect and, and with um, some positives to come out of that is always going to be a difficult conversation because sometimes just things don't mesh together. And the idea of the difficult conversation is what I think you've outlined quite nicely there that um, some leaders find that conversation, the setting up of that conversation excessively difficult. And there's reasons for that. You don't want to make people feel uncomfortable, but if the longevity of your business, the enterprise is based on, the team being um, coherent and you've got to have sometimes that conversation. I, I think that comes out quite strongly in what you've just said. So um, Anthony, let me ask you, how do leaders engage people to build successful teams? What's that formula look like? Yeah, well, I think there's multiple parts to it, right? There's five or six areas that I would say, if you want to build a successful team, you have to have all these components, right? You can't be missing any. Like in my in my opinion, it's either all or none. And the reason I say that is your your leadership home is built on pillars. And if these pillars aren't in alignment, then your foundation of your home is going to break. One of them I just kind of alluded to, but it's clear communication, right? If you want to build that successful team, the the clear communication that you display as a leader, you have to articulate your vision, your goals, your mission in a fashion that gets people excited to want to work for you. And in doing this clear communication, you also establish an open line of communication going back and forth. So if I'm a leader, I have to be the most articulate, well-spoken, inspiring person that my team speaks to. And I, I, that's a flag that I plant. When, when someone tells me, hey, what's the key to being a leader? You have to inspire the people around you. Does this mean that I'm the most motivating the hoorah, the, the person that cheers all the time? No, but I know the people who trust me, the people who look up to me, the people who I'm their boss, their manager, their leader, et cetera, I know how to inspire them. So that comes through the form of cl clear communication. So that's foundation one. The second foundation is trust. 
right? And if you do clear communication, and as I said, communication becomes a two-way street, you have to be able to build trust. And establishing that trust amongst your your, your employees or amongst your reporties is, is essential. It helps it helps foster open communication. It creates this safe zone. Meaning, if my employee comes to me and says, "Hey, I'm having a really bad day. The new direction that the company went, I hate. I don't like. It's blah 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 blah." I want that employee to know we just had this conversation. I heard you. I appreciate you sharing me the feedback, even though it wasn't positive. And that employee has to know that that conversation ends. I no longer take that in the back of my head and be like, oh, you know, Bill told me he didn't like the new reports that were coming. Bill's negative. Bill's not the right fit for the company. That's not what it is. It has to be a, a, a ability to trust one another. And not only trust communication, but trust goes both ways in doing what you say you're going to do. So as a leader, if I was in a position where someone asked me to do a task and I couldn't do it, I would rather tell them I can't do it, I can't do it in the time you need, as opposed to saying I can do it and not deliver it on time. Because you only have so many mess ups, right, as a leader. So if I'm going to say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. That establishes so much trust. When your employees know if my manager said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And so that, that also goes in the relationship building trust. Um, I think the other foundation is empowerment. You want to be able to delegate responsibilities and empower your people. The, the ability to develop the next generation of workers is incredibly important. And building a critical team and, and, and building this successful team, you always have to look at through the lens of who's going to replace me. If you're a leader and you're not thinking about who is going to replace me, you're doing an injustice to your people. You should always be developing the next version of you. And that goes through giving responsibilities, giving resources, offering guidance, showing how your employees can grow. I, I think one of the other foundations that people uh, often forget is recognition and feedback. Um, we live in a day and age where people like to be recognized for their performance. So give recognition when it's worthy, give feedback. Employees just wanna know, how am I doing? Um, you know, I, I come from a sales background and, and one of the things that I've shared with leaders in the sales background is you always have top performers. You always have bottom performers. If you have a hundred sales reps, there's gonna be a number one, there's gonna be a number 100. What separates one from 100 of <clears throat> various things can happen. Uh, quota, catastrophic, uh, like a catastrophic impact to territories, uh, just various different things. Does that mean number 100 is a bad employee? They could be, but if they're not, if there's someone that's just having a bad month, a bad quarter, a bad year, that feedback from you as a leader is critical to call and just say, hey, man, one, I appreciate how hard you're working out there. I'm recognizing it. I know things haven't been going really well. You're really going really easy. You haven't hit your numbers. Recognizing it. Just want to share a little feedback with you. Hey, I see how hard you're working and I, and I appreciate it. Just want to let you know, I do see the positive attitude you maintain. And as long as you have that positive attitude, you're always going to have a place here in my company. That's feedback. You got to recognize and give people feedback. It's easy to do when someone's doing well. To do it when someone's doing bad in a manner that uplifts them, that really calls on critical leadership skills. And the other two areas is, is, is kind of goes hand in hand, right? One with the um, empowering people, right? You want to encourage different thoughts. Uh, so I, I call it innovation, right? I have to encourage people to think outside the norms. My favorite 
my favorite and least favorite employees, and I say least favorite with a smirk because uh, some of my quote unquote least favorite employees are, have now become my lifelong best friends. They're people who would challenge me, right? Not in a rude fashion, but just say, hey, I disagree with you. And I think we could do this better. And, you're, and you sit and it forces you as a leader to say, okay. And, and I'll tell you what, I've been that guy that's challenged my leader and said, hey, I don't like this. And in some companies, it was frowned upon. Right? There's companies where I challenged the leader, and it wasn't too long after me challenging the leader that I wasn't with that company anymore. Um, and you know what? It was, it was for the best. i got to be honest with you. Because if, if you can't accept me challenging you, then quite honestly, you don't belong in that leadership role to begin with. Because as a leader, you want your team to feel comfortable to challenge you. And that's how we grow, both as a company, as a leader, and as an employee. When people have different opinions, and it forces creativity, we grow. And, and the last area I think is a, a quality leader to build a team. You wanna have a, you know, a level of inclusion and diversity, right? It's 2023 now. Different thoughts, different backgrounds, different opinions, man, they make a better team. And I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, when I build and manage teams, uh, I've built and managed teams along the West Coast of the United States, predominantly in the Southern California area. And I had teams every type of background, every type of religious, race, ethnicity, upbringing, you name it. And man, that diversity within that team made such a dynamic organization. Uh, so you, you definitely want to, like, I, I know it's a taboo topic, but you have to promote that inclusion and diversity, right? Different perspectives give different solutions to the same problem. Sometimes they're better, sometimes they're equal, sometimes they're not as good, but you'll never know if you're not promoting that. So in my opinion, those are the like the six main areas to to build that team. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. There's a lot of uh, words of wisdom there. The the one that I uh, has have struggled with in the past is how do you hold a conversation that is respectful when someone could be vehemently opposed to your idea but offers you a solution to do it better, and then it's the that six degrees of I'm going to put my, my, you know, my damn ego aside and give this a go to see if we can improve. And the, um, what you've brought up is interesting in that when leaders develop, it's a process of spending time in a role. It's a process of challenging yourself again against others at a similar level. But I think, yeah, you can grow as a leader by accepting uh, the ideas and input from those that report to you and where there is a um, uh, a strong a strong disagreement, talking that out and trying to unpack what that means, even if you don't implement the the team members' ideas, you've at least had the discussion. Beyond that, if they can't accept it, yeah, you have to make decisions about whether or not you want to be in that team. The other element that you talked about, you'll have your top person out of a hundred and the bottom person out of a hundred not assuming that the person in that hundredth place is doing the wrong thing is a strong signal to all your team members that you can have a bad day, week, month, year, as long as you stay positive and you're trying to achieve for the business, you'll always have a place here. I, I get that human nature being what it is. If you know you're at the bottom run of the team, you want to try and find ways to get better. And I think when you say facilitate a discussion to acknowledge that person's contributions. I think hand in hand with that is here are some strategies you might think about to improve your lot. 
because it could be that they're just stuck in a rut and they need a bit of a helping hand up. And I think you've you've um, outlined quite nicely that that can be done as long as the conversation is there to be had. If you just assume that a person's being lazy and they're not performing, there could be a million other reasons why that creates a toxic team member. And I think that leads to all sorts of other outcomes that you don't want in that, in that, um, in that setting. Does that, does that ring true for you, Anthony? Absolutely. 100%. You know, every, every person has a story. Uh, you never want your employees to feel just like a number. You never want them to feel like I'm only here for the results I produce. Like you want people to feel like they're part of a team. They're part of the family that you're vested in their development no one's perfect. Everyone's going to have a bad day. Everyone's going to have a bad month. Everyone might even have a bad year. I don't say it might. Everyone will have a bad year. It's how you manage those people when they're having some challenging times that really reflects on you and really helps grow the organization, right? Because we all know that turnover is significantly more expensive. So, yeah, agreed. Anthony, how, what, so moving away from the team member back to the leader. What do you see as key leader challenges in the in that context of leading a team? Well, one of them, you know, it's uh, we, we've talked a little about. You have to manage conflict, right? There's going to be conflict that comes to you as a leader, whether it's conflict amongst your delegates, amongst your peers, among, amongst your employees. I'm sorry, people who work together on your team, they may have conflict. Uh, there may be conflict between you and an employee. Uh, there may be conflict. You might be in a position of leadership, but you're not the president of the company and, or you're not on the board of directors. And the company says, hey, we're going to go in this direction and you're in middle management and your team's like, I hate that direction. And you're the person in the middle, right? There has to be a skill of managing conflict that comes with leadership. You cannot be an effective leader if you cannot manage conflict. And managing conflict isn't strike with an iron fist. Managing conflict isn't having people afraid of you. Managing conflict isn't being the person that no one respects because they know you won't listen to their opinions. Managing conflict is exactly what it is. It's managing conflict in an ability to progress the conversation forward. I think that's a skill that every leader has to have and every leader has to develop. Uh, I think you know along those lines, you have to be able to balance. There's a balancing between the, the needs of your team and the needs of the individuals on your team. There is this this individual there's this invincible line of am i doing the thing that's best for the team am i doing the best thing for the individual and it really becomes this balancing act of knowing when to press the envelope for the greater goods for the team when to press it for the greater goods of the individual and when i say the greater goods of the individual it's not that any individual is above the team or the organization because i've shared that with every person who's worked for me don't ever make me have to make a decision between the team and you because the team always wins because that's my job but if I know I can press an individual, just give them a little push, give them a, a little bit, a little more attention, a little bit more love, and they're going to be a better employee on the team, then I'll do that. So there's that, there's that app, there's that challenge of, of balancing. Um, you know, I think other challenges that leaders face is the ability to change. Uh, it's never fun when someone can do something better than you, right? It's definitely, you have to be a confident leader to know that your employees can do something better than you. Uh, so you have to be able to adapt. You have to adapt to change uh, in, in technology, a change in an organizational structure, a change in the environment. Um, so when employees come to you with different changes or the company has different changes, your ability to adapt is going to be directly reflective upon the people who you lead. If I'm the leader, adapt to change early and say, hey, this is a good idea. I'm excited about this change. I'm going to move forward. 
everybody who is underneath me is going to follow suit because as their leader, they see me adapt early. Um, and I think, you know, really the other, the final two challenges that you come into uh, as a leader that you have, that you have to excel and to grow is one, you have to be able to develop talent. Um, I think the need for future talent development is high on every company, small or large. And as a leader, you have to be able to develop that talent. That means identifying the person, nurturing that person, and retaining that person. Because everybody can identify talent, or at least they think they can. Not everybody can nurture and retain talent, right? And employee retention is at the lowest it's ever been. And so for you to develop somebody and retain them, that's a skill. And that's a skill that management has to develop. And it's not always going to work out. But you have to work on that skill. And then I think the last thing is just is giving clear measurements for success as a, as, um, as, a, as a manager, right? So if I'm a leader, I have to be able to clearly define what the measurements of success are with the clear expectations for those that work for me and for the team, for myself, uh, and, and never really faltering off that. Because if you can establish clear measurements of success, all your management is based on um, objectivity, not subjectivity. We did this. This was the goal. This is the job. If you start managing on subjectivity, I think you did this. Uh, then you put yourself in a really challenging position because it's no longer you're leading by objectivity. You're leading by feeling. You're leading by favoritism, and that really puts you in a difficult spot. Yeah, agreed, Anthony. Let Let me ask you, and I might tweak the next question a little bit. And this is advice from you and your experiences to those that are either watching the video cast or listening to the audio. Um, I've often had guests talk to me about a leadership toolkit. So what's in your toolkit to be an effective leader? So from your perspective in terms of leading teams, what what advice would you give to emerging leaders and existing leaders that, that what, what are those um, things that they need to have in that toolkit to effectively manage their teams? Yeah. So if we were to have this, toolkit, right? We, we kind of listed out le several things that you'll need, but I think the number one thing you're going to have to have in your toolkit is you're going to have to have some personal resilience. Uh, not everything's going to go according to plan. Uh, when things are going great, it's going to be the responsibility and all the glory is going to go to the people you work for. When things go bad, it's going to come on your shoulders. There's a level of resilience that you have to have as a leader to navigate the challenges. Um, if you're a leader in an, in an entrepreneur journey, um, you know, I, I just spoke with a colleague the other day that said as an entrepreneur, whether you're leading a $100,000 company or a $10 billion company, you're going to get punched in the face eight times a day, once an hour. I have to be resilient to that. So I think that's one one toolkit that or one one skill you have to have in your tool belt is the ability of resilience. Uh, the other tool belt that you'll have to have, uh, you have to have precise organization. I can't stress this enough. Uh, as a leader, no matter what the team size is, every leader I've ever met that's been unorganized, it shows within the organization. And this means as an as as an organized individual, I know everything that's going on. I know every deal. I know when someone's birthday anniversary, I know the ins and outs of my entire team. And here's the thing, you don't have to be the know it all. You just have to know the systems to happen in place. And with all the tools out there for automation and systems, it is 100% incredibly easy to do, to be incredibly organized and know everything at any given time. 
once the challenges of setting up those systems. So there's a there's a high level of organization that comes within the tool belt. And I think the the other area that you have to have in your tool belt is priority. Uh, how do I say this? Um, I, I would call it uh, priority identification. Realistically, you're going to have multiple tasks all the time. You have to be able to prioritize what's important now. What do I have to get done now? There's this great study that was done uh, out, of the, out of the Harvard Business Journal. I think it's almost a 40-year-old study now. And it was talking about the, uh, the name of the study is who's got the monkey. I think that's the name of the study. I can't remember it, but it's an old study. But the premise behind the study is if you're in a position of leadership and I come to you at the end of the day at 4 o'clock and say, hey, you know what? I'm working on this proposal for XYZ Farming Company. I think it looks really good. Will you take a look at it and let me know your thoughts on Monday? I just put the monkey on my back to, to, to look at this responsibility. And then as I'm walking out, my secretary says, hey, by the way, I put some vacation time off. Can you look at it over and let me know on Monday? Sure, no problem. I just put another monkey on my back. And as I walk out the office and putting all these monkeys on my back, everyone goes home. I have all these responsibilities. Are they a priority? Because I'm also a husband. I'm also a father. I'm also human. I want some personal time. So priority, you have to be able to prioritize what's important and you have to be able to say no to certain things. In that same scenario, hey, we review this proposal. Matter of fact, why don't you do this? Go look at it, identify the specific areas you want me to view, send me an email, and let me know what those areas are. Hey, I sent you my vacation time. I appreciate it. I'm not going to look at it now, so let's have this conversation on Monday, right? You have to be able to prioritize where your time is going to be spent at. Uh, so I really, I mean, those are some of the things that I'd have in the tool about Amongst the other things that I've said on the episode today, there's, you know, the lines of communication, the ability to problem solve. I mean, all that goes without being said. But if you're looking at me and say, hey, what are the tools I have? Got to know what I want to do. So I have to have the organization to do what I want to do. I have to have the organization to know what to do. I have to know what's priority to what to do. And I have to know that it's never personal if it's not done correctly. I think that's the tool belt for success there. That's brilliant, Anthony. Anthony, thank you for your time today. I appreciate the the chat and you've given us some food for thought there because the leadership of teams is something that is whilst often discussed getting into the weeds of it is a good reminder that we're not going to succeed in organizations if we're not managing our teams and also self-managing which is what you just flagged before so appreciate your time man thanks for having me on the show that concludes our podcast i'd like to thank anthony for his time and insights today around building and leading teams our next podcast will feature terry martin on wednesday the 5th of july i hope you can join us then have a great day rest of your week and we'll catch everyone on the next episode of talking leadership tv